to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. How are you? Hello, Eleni. It's nice to talk with you today. This is going to be a really fun episode with Dr. Dustin Portella. Do you remember meeting him at an event? I do. I think the first time I met him in person was at last year's Melanoma Research Foundation Gala in New York. Dr. Portella was on stage accepting the 2022 Influence Award. And I remember he brought us into the content creation process. He was filming everyone in the audience for his TikTok recap, which is so perfect for this influencer quarter. He's, he's so in tune to the space. Well, you know, I'm a skincare junkie, so dermatologists are the influencers in my world, and he's very impressive at what he does. Yes, he really is. He he gets into the team that he works with, and he has them helping him produce all this content, and it's so cool to really take a closer look in this episode at how he brings everything to life. Right, because when I first met him, which was, I think, maybe two years ago at a client event, he was really doing all this himself, right? Like the conceiving of the ideas, the filming, the editing, the post seeing the community management. And I'm actually really grateful to hear that he's not doing this alone anymore because I know how much work it is because, you know, we do this in our day jobs at Base Beauty. So now he has a very big team because there's just not enough hours in the day to be a practicing dermatologist and also a full-time influencer. No, definitely not enough hours. In April at Base Beauty, we actually partnered with Brandwatch. If anyone's familiar, this is a best-in-class social media monitoring tool that we've used for years. And one of our senior digital marketing strategists, Emily, was pointing out the importance of empowering community managers. So industry break for anyone who doesn't know, there are a lot of companies that have people run their accounts and the community managers are the ones on the ground looking out for trends and being the people who really figure out what the accounts are talking about, what the conversations are that are happening in those different platforms. Right. So in the day, um, Dr. Portella was his own community manager, right? Com responding to comments, looking for trends. And now he has team members doing that for him because this is like as close to the customer, as close to the fan as you can possibly get is being the community manager. So that webinar that was super impactful, crazy informative. And there were hundreds of companies that joined like super major brand names, which is really cool. Yeah, really, really awesome. We got some great feedback from those that came. Um, and if anybody who's listening is interested in hearing more about it, you can definitely get in touch with us. And we are happy to introduce you to the team at Brandwatch or talk more about community management and social media and all that great stuff. So um, in addition to being an influencer and a full-time derm, Dr. Portel is also a parent. And we did talk about like how and when he gets his kids involved in making content. And, you know, also it's tricky, right? How involved do you want them to be on social media or not want them to be on social media? That depends upon your point of view on social media as a parent. So that was a really interesting conversation with him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you had some great insights to that aspect as well, Jody. I'm excited for everyone to hear this one. So let's get started. Dr. Dustin Portel episode 231. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today, we continue our influencer journey theme with Dr. Dustin Portella, dermatologist, skincare influencer, major star. He's a content creator with over 2.4 million followers on TikTok, and he covers topics to help you be beautiful inside and out. I'm excited to dive into the conversation about his career journey from Idaho dermatologist to superstar influencer, all on episode 231. Hi, Dr. Portella. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. 
Thank you. 231 episodes. That's impressive. Yeah, I've been doing this for six years. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, I it feels like yesterday when my business coach recommended to me I start a podcast and I asked him, why would I do that? And he said, because you like to talk to people. And I'm like, okay, I'll just Google it, see how to make a podcast. And then yeah. just put my head down and did it. That's awesome. So we're a career, career journey show. And I'm going to ask you the question that I love to ask my guests um, because we've all been there. So go back to being like 10, 11 years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. I mean, when I was 10 or 11 years old, my, um, the, the majority of the time, you know, thinking about career was following my dad around. He was a school teacher. Uh, he taught science and, uh, he was a coach, you know? Uh, so I went on the road every time they had an away basketball game and, uh, I, you know, had such, such a good time doing all that. I always kind of thought early on I'd end up, you know, doing, being a teacher like my dad and a coach, um, because, you know, that was a great world to grow up in. I got to spend a lot of time with my dad. Uh, but he was introducing me to science, you know, very early on. And I know that, you know, his intention was to cultivate a love for science that could take me beyond being a teacher. Um, and I think that still being a teacher is one of the most noble uh, professions that you could that you could do. And but he wanted he wanted something different for me than what he was doing. And so he he tried to cultivate that in me and allow me to kind of find something else that I could be passionate about. And it, it kind of grew from there. So, well, I do want to um, give full disclosure to our fans. I've met you in real life. Last time I saw you was in New York at the Melanoma Research Foundation Gala, and you were given a big award at that gala. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell everybody what that award was? Yeah, it was quite an honor to be able to join, um, you know, on stage with some incredible advocates against melanoma and such a great organization like the Melanoma Research Foundation. And, you know, they granted me what they call the Influencer of the Year Award, which really was a great honor because you know, getting on social media and talking about, you know, skin cancer, skin cancer awareness, and just health in general, it's nice to be recognized that it's more than just like attention seeking or like trying to work with amazing skincare brands. But really, the reason that I got on it originally was to combat misinformation. And I had no, you know, awareness that, you know, I could, um, you know, get a lot of attention or make some additional income through that. It was really, hey, we're in a pandemic. People aren't coming in to see their dermatologist. Can we take the information to people that need it? So that was, you know, it was really fun to be able to receive that award and be recognized for the things that I do that I'm, that I love doing anyway. I also got to meet you at your practice in Idaho, which is so cool for me because, you know, we live in a digital mm -hmm. marketing world. So I get to see, you know, people we know and respect on Instagram and TikTok, but, you know, hardly ever really in person. So it's so cool for me to see you, I guess we'll call it at your day job. Yeah, it was fun to welcome you into the practice and learn a little bit about what you and your company were doing and just the different opportunities that we have to cross paths with each other is fun. I want to um, just acknowledge that a fam listening today and they have like the most amazing handle. Their handle is not underscore a underscore dermatologist. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if this person's yeah. like their their friends keep turning to them for advice and they're like I'm not a dermatologist. Yeah, so that individual, uh, Bonnie was actually on my podcast um a few months ago oh. and um she started her account after dealing with severe eczema for a child 
And so she's really advocated for herself and for her child and learned a lot along the way. So she knows a lot about caring for eczema, but she's not a dermatologist, but really a good person. Oh, I love that. Well, that's what I say to clients. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> like, like, you need to go talk to a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about the path of dermatology, and then we're going to go deep, deep, deep into influencing. When did you decide that dermatology is going to be your path in medicine? Yeah, I had decided when I was um, in medical school, where when I was in undergraduate, that I was going to go to medical school. And at that time, you start to shadow a lot of different specialties. You're trying to get letters of recommendation. And I had spent a lot of time with family medicine and in emergency medicine. And a friend of mine, a college roommate, actually was also going to medical school and recommended that I look into dermatology. He was going to be a dermatologist, and that there was a derm in town that allowed people to come and shadow. And so. I, uh, you know, made a phone call, I got set up to go in there. And my understanding of dermatology was very limited, you know, uh, people have acne, they get warts, you know, rashes, of course. And I didn't, I, I had very low expectations when I walked into the office. And I walked in on a day where he was doing Mohs surgery. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? You're like, you're doing big surgeries on people, you're rearranging their faces, you're removing skin cancer. I thought that this had to be done by plastic surgeons and you're doing flaps and skin grafts. And then I'm, we're seeing some of your follow-up patients and I can't even tell that they had anything done. This is really amazing. And so I was very interested in dermatology from that moment on, seeing the procedural aspect of it that I had no concept of before. But I had you know, very little opportunity to get hands-on with dermatology. When you're an undergraduate student or even as a medical student, you don't get to do a lot when you're rotating through dermatology because it's often very cosmetic focused and patients understandably want the doctor to be doing their procedures and not some medical student. However, when you rotate through the emergency room, it's a free for all sometimes and they can be overrun. And so, hey, somebody needs stitches, they're not dying, the medical student can do that. And so you get to do this hands-on. You get to do procedures, you get to see you know, the highs and the lows of people, and it's very exciting when you're young. You can do those late nights and the weekends and all of that stuff. So I went to medical school with the intention to do emergency medicine. And I did join the dermatology club, you know, because I had this peripheral interest in it, but I knew it's almost impossible to become a dermatologist. It's what everybody tells you. And so emergency medicine was always the plan. I did really well on my board exams. I was doing well in school. And ultimately, I like to tell people that 30-year-old um, me and 50-year-old me sat down and had a conversation about what we wanted to do when we were 50. And 50-year-old me said, you know, I'm... I don't want to work nights and weekends anymore. And I don't want to have to maybe miss birthday parties or anything like that for your kids. So even though my experience rotating through emergency medicine was a lot more fun and a lot more exciting at that moment, I knew that, that I would love dermatology if I was given the opportunity to become a dermatologist. And I decided to dive in and give it 100% effort. And luckily, I was able to match into dermatology and that kind of led me down that path to being a procedural dermatologist where I get to do most surgery now myself and uh, take care of patients of all ages with a wide range of skin conditions. All right. So there was this TikTok you made about a fortune cookie having a part making part of this decision for you. Can you explain this to us? Yeah. So, you know, I was always interested in science and something in the health careers after the influence of my dad. And so I had looked into physical therapy, you know, physician assistant school, uh, even mortuary science, um, you know, anything to do with the human body. 
And so I was kind of at this point where um, I was uh, going into my junior year of college and I was like, maybe I'm going to go to PA school. Medical school seems like a long time. You know, that's at least seven or eight years to be able to do something. PA school is just two more years and I could practice in any specialty. And my, my roommate, as I said, he was going to medical school and I, I always kind of thought like, well, if he could do it, I could do it. Like I'm, you know, he's not smarter than I am. And it's a completely true story is that there was this, there was this Chinese restaurant a couple miles from my apartment and I was studying on a Sunday morning and then in the evening, like I was tired of studying. So I went to this Chinese restaurant, you know, once a month or so. And I went there and I was eating, you know, whatever my Mandarin chicken. And I got to, for, to the fortune cookie part. I broke it open. I ate my fortune cookie. And I, cause I'm superstitious. You have to eat the cookie first and then you can read your fortune. <laughs> so then I, I looked at the, the fortune and it said, you could prosper in the field of medicine. And I was like, that is an oddly specific fortune. Like, you know, I've never seen a fortune like that. It's so specific. Um, you know, I was like, oh, good fortune will follow you soon, or you're going to make a difference in somebody's life, you know, but no, you could prosper in the field of medicine. And I was like, okay, let's, let's go to medical school. Of course, it wasn't the thing that made the decision. I was on the fence about it already, but I like to tell people that oh, I went to medical school because a fortune cookie told me to. I took that home. I taped it to my study desk. It's been there all through medical school. And then I removed it when the desk fell apart, put it in my wallet, and it's still there to this right. day. I'm like tearing up because this is so insane. Because you're right. Fortune cookies, they're like vague um, and let you, you know, it's almost like horoscopes, like super vague, right? You can make what you want yeah. out of them. But this is so specific. <laughs> And right. crazy. And I love that you kept it. Right. Like imagine a 60 year old accountant gets that fortune. Like what's he going to do with that? <laughs> oh <my laughs> like gosh. that fortune cookie was meant for me. Like, I don't know if my dad was like in the kitchen, like stuffing a fortune cookie, watching me come in <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's, it feels planted. It's so specific. I love that. And I love that you took the time yeah. to look at it. It's almost like a stop and smell the roses moment, right? You could have just moved, you know, just right. thrown it out and not have paid attention, right? You, it would be like sliding doors. Right. There's this movie with Gwyneth Paltrow years ago. I don't know. Did you ever see this movie? Uh -huh. I don't think I have. Anyway, so it's like if she gets on the subway, her life is a certain way. If she misses the subway, it's a completely different life. And they show you both worlds. Uh, so, um, oh, wow. yeah, you had your own sliding doors moment with this fortune cookie. Yeah, right. OK, so you talked about I love this. You had a conversation with your future self about what kind of lifestyle you wanted. That's very forward thinking. I don't think a lot of, you know, people who are ambitious in their career early on are really thinking about the impacts of their decisions, you know, two decades later. It's meaningful to me that you were thinking that way and having these conversations internally. It's something I think about all the time. I wrote this book, you can see here, Facing the Seduction of Success, which is really about this. It's like, mm -hmm. I want something for my career and my ambition, but I also want something for my personal life and my family life. And sometimes there's a, you know, a huge tension, right? One, one change yeah going super fast, but it impacts the other train greatly. So, you know, I, I've seen your family on social. Tell me what your like kind of like influencer philosophy is now, right? That you're an influencer and a dermatologist and both take up a lot of time. What is um, this balance look like and how do you manage the seduction of creating so much success for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I won't pretend like I've always been great at the balance portion. I think at this point in my life, I've realized that 
I do enjoy work. Um, it, you know, feels good to me to work hard and I would be working hard. I would be putting in a lot of hours regardless of the career path that I had chosen. So if I had become a school teacher, I'd be, you know, I'd also be coaching. I'd be meeting kids early to help them with their assignments. I'd be staying late to practice skills on the basketball court, whatever it is. Um, I like to tell people if I had become a garbage man, I'd be on TikTok as a garbage man showing everybody here. Look at the crazy stuff people are throwing away. Like I would be creating things for myself outside of my, you know, normal day to day, because I think that's just my personality. And so as a creator and a dermatologist, they're both very demanding. They both, um, you know, take so much time, but I'm going to put that amount of time into anything, regardless of the career path that I had chosen. And I, I'm very lucky that my day job is to be a dermatologist. It's fantastic. But that balance has been difficult at times because there is that seduction of success. You know, the more time that I spend in clinic seeing patients, it, you know, it's very rewarding on a personal and a financial level. And the more time that I put into social media, I get to meet amazing people. And um, it can be very tempting because you do get a lot of adulation. You know, people give you a lot of praise. And then you can go home and your kids don't want to listen to you. <laughs> so it's a, it's a balance. And I'm grateful to have good friends. Friends, uh, an amazing spouse that helped to bring me down to earth and, and somebody that I can confide in. Um, and also that, uh, you know, I've got uh, like a business coach as well, that we, we talk about things, we outline goals and we, you know, try to do the things that are the most effective. And, you know, partnering with a business coach has been a great way to kind of step back and prioritize and not let the tactics of what I'm doing get in the way of my overall vision. And knowing what my vision is to be an educator, to help people to get better health, to be a good father, a good husband, the tactics on how that, you know, need to be able to change for a while. That's, you know, doing brand deals because it creates opportunity. But now I'm trying to shift into like, where do I go next with social media? How do I impact more lives? What kind of long-term partnerships can I, can I foster that help achieve my vision of taking care to more underserved people? Uh, and giving my kids experience to see different things in the world rather than a one-off, you know, brand partnership, for example. So really trying to pivot and shift and make those partnerships that also align with my long-term vision has been challenging at times, but, you know, we're getting there. Well, I want to know more about what's next, but before we dive into that, let's talk about um, the kids, you know, like in my business, um, I mean, I think, I think of it as a family business, it's not really a family business, but it is a family business because my kids hear me, you know, talk about it. My husband helps mm -hmm. me from time to time. Um, the kids have to pack up boxes, you know, when we move offices and things like that. So uh, I feel like, you know, being someone who's ambitious in her career, pretending that it doesn't impact the family doesn't, you know, do any good. But I try to, I try to involve them as much as possible. And first of all, they're 15 and 12, so they're mm -hmm. way more digitally savvy than, you know, me. So I'm curious, like, do you behind the scenes get your kids involved in any of this work? Do they see it happening and do they understand um, the whys of it? Yeah, I think they they do understand to a degree, you know, the the older ones for sure. My kids are, you know, um, 13, 10 and six. And so they they see it and I do involve them. I that's a little tension with my wife. She doesn't want them on camera. And so we're careful about that. But I do get them on there sometimes because I want people to know you know, I'm a real person and that this is, you know, part of my life. I don't want it to be completely separate. Um, also, it gives me an opportunity to employ my kids. And so I'm able to pay them almost as influencers themselves, their talent, their on-screen personalities with me in some of those videos. 
And uh, as a result, they're able to start a retirement account at six years old. Like that's not a lot of six year olds can do that. But, you know, we've we've done that because of what they, you know, are able to do in, in helping me with social media. So I do want them to be involved. I want them to see that um, you can create something and there's more career opportunities in the world than there's ever been before. And I want them to be innovative and kind of see the different areas that you can pursue. Right. But it does impact them. I travel, it takes time away from them. And that is hard at times. There's tension with that. I think I would probably have a long coffee with your wife because I don't want to put my kids on camera. I mean, I've seen like, I think people see like the back of their heads and stuff like that. And now that they're tweens and teens. Yeah. First of all, they're not allowed to have their own social media accounts because I mean, I know I do this for mm -hmm. a living, but I do this for a living. So I know the powers right. of these tools. Yeah. So uh, every once in a while, they sneak into like a Disney family photo kind of thing online. But right. I just think it's like this very slippery slope of how does this impact their life? The parts of their life I don't even see, right? The texts from their friends and the group chats and, and you know, all this stuff. I don't know. I just think it's a really complicated world for kids. Yeah. And I don't let my kids have social either. Uh, they're not going to have smartphones. Because uh, I know that there's dangers with that, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, keep their lives living, you know, I, I want them to grow up more the way that I did. And when they are out on their own, if they want to be on social, they certainly can, but it's going to be tightly supervised until they're out of the house. So I was definitely probably pretty annoying um, for one of my kids. They want to do like a gaming YouTube and I'm like, that's fine, but no one can see your face and they can't know your name and you know, this whole list of things. Right. But that's what it takes because yeah. There's just worlds that kids are playing in digitally that I'm, you know, not um, an expert in, right? There's things I'm an expert yeah. in and then there's these other worlds that I'm not. So I'm kind of that annoying mom. <laughs> but, um, okay, let's talk about influencing, influencing, influencing. Is there a team behind you helping you develop all this content? So when it comes to uh, TikTok, I mean, for the longest time, no, I mean, it was just me. I was doing everything. I was replying to the emails. I was doing all the filming. I was doing all the editing. And, you know, it's easy to get burned out when you're doing all of that. Plus, I'm, I own my own practice. I have, you know, 20 employees. So there's a lot going on. But over time, you know, I've found that I need to outsource certain things. And so I have cultivated a team of employees and contractors to help with things. So I have a manager that helps to do all of the emails, communications, negotiations, all of that. I then have a, a PR team that helps to get me placements in magazine articles and we're working on TV appearances and things like that. I've hired a video editor, a couple different ones. I have, you know, a video editor right now that's actually in Serbia that's editing a lot of these TikTok videos that I'm putting up because it saves me hours of time and they can do it faster and they can do it way better than I can. And I have a creative director to help plan and organize YouTube videos. I have, you know, a video editor for YouTube separately. And then I've hired an assistant that's in my office on a daily basis. So, you know, considering all of those things, uh, it's really freed up a lot of my time again to spend more and more time doing the things that I love to do. That is a very big team. And I'm really glad that you have them because I, um, when I see how hard you work and I know what it takes to produce things, I get like, like my heart starts racing. No joke. Like every time I see your content, I'm like, it is so good. Oh my God, he's working so hard. You know, I'm like, so yeah. I, I'm thinking about the behind the scenes of the life to make this. Um, and I'm really empathetic with the experience. I know that the end user sees the five seconds, the 10 seconds, the 20 seconds, but I actually see the 
the hours, the days, the months. Yeah. So I am very amazed at your how prolific you are. And I'm really glad for you that you have a huge team now. It makes me feel like I can take the temperature down. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a lifesaver. I couldn't keep doing what I'm doing without that. Okay, let's talk about trends. Are there trends that you will like not participate in? Because by the way, you're like very clever at finding a dermatology way into trends that you would think there's no connection here. But are there things that you will not touch? Um, you know, I have probably taken risks before that I shouldn't have. And I've learned lessons from that. You know, I, I've tried to be careful about not being negative against certain skincare brands. I, I prefer to just stay positive. Like I'll find the brands that I like to work with or that I like to talk about organically and talk about them and talk about their benefits, but otherwise to stay away from, you know, just being negative about something for the sake of negativity. I don't, I don't like to try to bash uh, brands. I've had some brands, I think that, um, ended up upset at me, but I was really just approaching it from like, here's the real, you know, truth about this ingredient or this marketing, you know, strategy, something like that. So I just, I'm trying to stay like more in the realm of positivity and avoiding negativity. And if somebody, you know, wants to be negative towards me, like I don't have any qualms about like just saying, this is my page. This is my space. We're positive here. Um, you can go somewhere else. And, you know, I've, I've blocked people before and I know some people don't like doing that, but it just isn't worth the mental energy for me to like try to put up with bullying. So okay, so are you actually reading all these comments? Uh, no, no. I mean, I can't keep up with them anymore. Uh, earlier on, I would, but it, it's just not possible anymore. So if I post a video, I do typically try to check comments for the first thirty minutes or so, and then if a video you know blows up, it's just impossible to see everything. I love it because they all blow up for you. Um, one of my favorites was this Met Gala thing. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. <laughs> it was about, yeah. I don't know, you found this like funny skin way into the Met Gala that made me laugh out loud for days, like literally days. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. We were commenting on the uh, celebrities' outfits, and I really don't know anything about fashion. And so we were just talking about whether these particular outfits could be good for sun protection or not. So it was awesome. Okay, so I love that you just said you focusing on the brands, the products, and the ingredients that are meaningful to you and you feel are beneficial and just sort of not addressing the ones that aren't. So th this feels very like a magazine editorial perspective, right? They're not typically, unless it's like consumer yeah. reports, it's doing testing and statistics. They're just putting forward their winners, right? They're not also having pages for the losers, right? Yeah. But I do have, I have a question and you can tell me if you don't want to comment on it. I don't remember if this is a video you made. I know a lot of your peers during COVID, they were telling us that Neosporin is not good to put on wounds. Um, were you part of this conversation? Yeah, um, I've been in that conversation before. Um, and so typically dermatologists don't like Neosporin because most of the stuff that we do, they're clean procedures, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're not infected. And so when you start putting on an antibiotic, you're just at risk for an allergic reaction. Okay. So I've been telling my kids this and my husband, they're like, you're wrong, Jody. Like, of course we're going to put Neosporin on wounds because that's what Neosporin <laughs> tells us to do. Like what's the whole purpose of the product? Yeah. And I'm saying, no, the dermatologists on TikTok are telling me no. And I couldn't remember why. So would I be putting Neosporin on a cut that I got in my backyard? Yeah, that might be a more appropriate time. And, you know, I, I typically still recommend like, I want you to start with just cleaning the wound with soap and water and then put Vaseline on it. It's just the lowest risk of allergic reaction. And so, um, but, you know, if you are starting to get more redness or irritation there, Neosporin might be helpful in that circumstance. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm going to 
go downstairs after this call and put everybody to rest. So, like I got, <laughs> I have, this is like, you know, Neosporin question mark, period. We solved it. Yeah. So the last question I have for you in this part of the interview is really about like, what is your life like every day? Like, what is a schedule like? Because I think that, um, you know, you've reached this like in, enormity of six, I, I see it as enormity of success as being influential. And then you also are growing your practice. And I do believe you have your own product line. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we do have our own products for our patients in the office. So yeah. It's... So this is many verticals of mm -hmm. Dr. Dustin Portella. Yeah. You also spend a lot of time working out, right? Um, behind the scenes, we call it the Dr. Dustin Portella glow up, right? From, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you started on social media a few years ago to what you show us now. There's, and you have the family and travel. So tell us what is a day like? Yeah. So on a, a typical day when I'm in, you know, in Boise, I get up um, about 530. I head to the gym. Uh, try to get a workout in. And then from there, I go to the clinic uh, and I'll see patients or I'll be doing surgery, one or the other. And uh, we'll do that until about four to five o'clock. Uh, depending on the day, I may record a little bit um, after the clinic is over. If we got done a little early, I'll you know plan out something and I'll record. And uh, then go home, eat dinner, play with the kids, put them to bed, answer you know some emails, catch up on that kind of stuff. And, and that's kind of the entirety of the day. On average, uh, Fridays I don't see patients. I spend that time creating content primarily and uh, doing administrative things for the clinic. So uh, the weekends I try to take as much of that off as I can and just be present with family. And sometimes I'm traveling, sometimes other things get in the way. But um, that's kind of a typical day for me. And there's it's every minute seems to be booked and. I may squeeze in, you know, phone calls or Zoom meetings with different companies in the middle of the day, and my assistant helps to coordinate and schedule all of that. So, again, that's where it's really helpful to have a good team. And so, is it in between appointments that you're also like reviewing the second version of the edit, or you know, like you mentioned, a lot of team members who are helping you produce the content? Is is it in between appointments that you're addressing those content needs? Yeah, yeah. Some of that is between appointments or over the lunch hour, things like that. Are you exhausted at the end of the day? Ah, uh, basically, yeah. Okay, my last question. This is off script, but do you watch reality TV? Uh, I I just don't have time to watch much TV at all. The only where you know place that I keep up on stuff is uh, through social media. So if something becomes a trend, I might hear about it, but that's about it. Okay, so um, I'm dying to know: is there a Dustin, Dr. Dustin Portella dermatology angle into the scandal, which is Vanderpump Rules, all the chaos happening? With the, yeah, I've seen headlines on this, but I honestly couldn't tell you anything about what's going on. I wish I, I wish I could, but I don't know anything about it. Well, thank you for um, playing along with me on that one. I was really hopeful that you <laughs> you watch Vanderpump Rules because I feel like you'd have a really good angle. Okay, our last segment of the show is fan questions, and we have so many. Maybe we'll get to two or three. Ryan Hart is asking um, if you have. If you know that Khloe Kardashian had melanoma. Yes, I, I've heard that, but she really hasn't spoken a lot about it. I know that through some other um, groups that I've worked with, they have tried to reach out and get her to be more of an advocate on that and just haven't gotten a response there. So I would love to see her be more of an advocate against skin cancer and melanoma awareness. But um, I'm aware of that and I just haven't seen her actually use that platform to fight skin cancer. But do we know that it's confirmed? She's she's acknowledged it. She just doesn't hasn't spoken out about it. So I 
it, it sounds like she has had a couple different things removed, but she hasn't, as far as I've seen, actually come out and said, like, I had melanoma. Um, you know, I think she may have said the word skin cancer or like a concerning spot, but I haven't seen her actually come out and explain, I had a melanoma, it was this aggressive or that, here's the treatment that I went through, anything like that. Okay, so it's, um, we know she had things removed, but it's speculation to say it was full on melanoma. Yeah, I, I, from what I understand, it, it's pretty likely that she had melanoma, but I couldn't tell you where that's actually cited at. Got it. Okay, um, this one's from Emily. Hi, Emily. Besides sunscreen, what is a must in every skincare routine? I think a must in every skincare routine would be probably a good moisturizer um, or a cleanser. So I would say, I would probably say a cleanser. Like you need to get stuff off of your skin. So a good cleanser would be the number one thing. Okay, Nikita is asking, what is the best treatment for melasma? Um, the best treatment for melasma, again, is going to be sunscreen. You got to prevent it from getting worse. There's no treatment that we have that will fix your melasma if you're not wearing sunscreen. So that's the number one thing you have to do. Now, if we get into specific treatments for it, there's a lot of benefit from hydroquinone, from cystamine. There's some laser treatments that can help, but I would probably say just because of its availability is uh, going to be hydroquinone. Okay. So um, last question from fans. This is a good one. Other than your own, what is a favorite TikTok account that you want fans to follow? Oh, man, there's so many good ones. Um, I mean, there's like, you know, of course, the skincare medical ones. Uh, and then there's just like the entertaining ones. Um, there is a surgeon in the UK who I think puts out amazing medical content. Um, I, I can't think of his name right now, Dr. K, but he's a general surgeon, a colorectal surgeon in the UK. And his TikToks are just really high yield, good medical information to keep your body healthy. So I would recommend that fans find that and follow that. Great. Well, we will dig around and try to find his account so we can share it with fans. Yeah, for sure. You did it. That's it, Dr. Portella. You're our 231st right. episode. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom today. Thank you. It's an honor. And for our fans, if you like this episode, please rate and review. As always, make sure you are following us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on the upcoming episodes. And Dr. Portella, amazing to see you again. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you in person the next time. So thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.